everyone. Welcome back to The Sib List. I am Lisa Leahy. And I am Mark Passanelli. Welcome to episode 1.7, in which we discuss 2008's Slumdog Millionaire from Mark's List of Doom. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, I'm just starting to believe that, you know, like, obviously Slumdog Millionaire is just one of those movies that whether you've seen it or not, you've heard of it, you know, big Oscar movie back then it's one of those it's just one of those like Slumdog Millionaire it automatically is supposed to be a great movie so to to for me to have it on my list plus some of the other movies on it I'm just kind of laughing at myself wondering what the the listeners are thinking when they hear some of the the, the names on my list that's true I mean and I know that there's going to be some yelling at the radio when some of my titles come up just because you know, certain kinds of comedy don't work for me. And there are definitely some high quality films on my list that I haven't gotten to uh, or that I've been avoiding for one reason or another. So, you know, we're putting ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. We are opening ourselves up to oh, the anger God. and the frustration. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this one because I think this is a film a lot of people have seen. I expect that most of our listeners are familiar with it. Uh, some of the films we've talked about since we got started, we're a little bit more niche. Um, you know, not everybody's seen teeth. Uh, <laughs> not everybody wants to see teeth. No, let's just keep that one as a no. You know, and so it, it's it's one of those films where eh, maybe and, you know, The Woman in Black was a horror film that came out. I think a lot of people, if they saw it, they kind of forgot about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have um, some friends who who are listening. Hi, guys. Um who are saying, well, I need to see the movie before I listen to your episode. So I think this is a great title to kind of bring some of the listeners back. And mm-hmm. people, I think, know this one and have a memory of it and can talk about presuming, it. Presuming we've lost listeners, what are you saying bringing them back? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, I think fewer mm. people are going to need time for a watch or a rewatch with this particular yeah. one. I think most people <clears throat> know it. I could be completely wrong. You know what happens when you assume. So, again, since it is your film from your list of doom, Mm -hmm. why were you avoiding it? And what are your thoughts now that you've seen it? I don't – I think – this is one of the few that were on my list of – I didn't have any reservations to seeing it. I just never saw it. I never got to it. And now that it's, what, 13 years later and such and – I have nothing against uh, quote unquote older movies. It's not older movie, but um, it's just never been on on a list of mine to to see it, except for this list, obviously. Um, it just hasn't been one of those movies. It's just never struck my interest. I don't know. It just didn't seem interesting to me at all. It's just one of those things. Like, nah, I can miss it. It was one of those. So it's on this list, as in again, I've just if it's ever if it was ever on. Uh, HBO, if it was ever on anything to watch it, I'd be like, eh, I'm going to find out what else is on. Just never piqued my interest. So what do you think now that you've seen it? Honest answer? Well, yeah, I don't want you to lie to me. I know, I know, I know. Honestly, I, I it was okay. It was, it was all right. It wasn't as amazing as a lot of people think it is, in my opinion. Um, I love I, I like the premise of it. I did. Um, I like the idea of the whole movie was 
I I didn't realize going into the movie originally. I thought the whole idea was again never never saw it that he had already won the money and that he was living his life afterwards. I didn't realize the whole movie was his explanation of how someone from a world that he comes from is able to answer these questions and what life events he experienced, how awful they are to then lead to the answers. And the idea, the premise is really good. Like I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. They're doing it. And the fact, what is this, a two-hour movie, give or take? Yeah, a little bit less, yeah. I think it's it about... Felt, uh, it felt so long to me. Really? Okay. It, I felt I felt it drag a few times um, when they were telling, telling the story of he and his brother. And um, I, <laughs> when we got to the now time, uh, when he had finally explained how he had all the answers to the questions that he was already asked and he caught up, I know it's the, it was like the end of the movie, but now my interest was peaked again because now I'm focusing. I'm not flashbacking on all this stuff again that I, again, I attributed just being long and drawn out and such. So it picked up for me at the end. The, I, I, in a weird way, I really loved the premise of it, but the movie just didn't just didn't really hit home for me in the end, quite honestly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about the format of the storytelling here. Mm. Um, and I think what you're talking about regarding the flashbacks is not so uncommon. I think over flashing back can get a little fatiguing with mm. some films. Um, I think because he was kind of in the muck in the present time, as well as constantly in the muck in the past time, I think there was a little bit of a jostling as far as focus goes. Um, you know, classical movie structure is considered classical, one, because they've been doing it for years, and two, because it's the most accepted and easiest to follow of various structures. You think that plot diagram you drew in high school and had to label in sixth grade, um, you know, that's certainly not what this is at all. Mm -hmm. You've got right. jumping back and forth. You've got right. situations where the time uh, timeline is scrambled. And uh, I think that can be fatiguing for people. Mm -hmm. I think that can get old because uh, – and, and the other thing to think about is in this day and age, it's not a film that would lend itself to multitasking. People who scroll while there's a, a movie on – would have a hard time with this film because, you know, if you're not paying attention and they change time and location, you've missed an entire section. You may not know what's going on. You may get confused about who this character is, especially when the three children start growing up and suddenly you're looking at a completely different actor. Mm -hmm. That, I think, can be a little bit confusing. Um, I don't specifically remember seeing it the first time. I do love it. I remember loving it then. Um, I can't tell you when I saw it. I can't tell you if I saw it in the theater. I don't think I did. I think I saw it at home. You had to have seen it before the Academy Awards. That's your M.O. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I saw it in the theater because yeah. uh, sometimes they'll release things. And, and to, well, you know what? I say guaranteed. It isn't guaranteed because sometimes I see them after the fact. Um, 
I can't remember if I saw this before the Academy Awards aired. Um, this IMDb says this release date was around Christmas of 2008. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't remember. I just really have no memory of when I saw this, but I do remember really, really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still enjoy it now. I, you know, I, I got a little, started getting a little verklempt, a little choked up at the end. Because it is very sweet. <laughs> and I'm not the type of person to to get all mushy with a happy ending. But this is a lovely happy ending. Mm-hmm. It is a fairy tale. It is... Everything falls into place and you have these two kids who they're kids. He's 18 years old, Jamal. So, you know, he's he becomes a millionaire, a a, a rupee millionaire at 18 years old. A rupee if you will. Oh, stop it. Um, It's still a million rupees. It's just not a million dollars. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Because we are not the only currency in the world. I don't know. I, what I have to break it to you. No. Um, did you look up what two two million rupees is in uh, US dollars? I did dollars? not look at an exchange rate. No. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I figured that would be something you did. That's a long conversation. That's a completely different podcast. If you want to know what's wrong with me. Well, well, that's true. We don't have time for that kind of thing. I mean, people have have places to be. They have work to do, and they have walls to stare at. Um, you know, (laughs) IMDB listed, there was like, you know, the little fun facts in the trivia where as of 2020, that 20 million rupees was worth uh, about 280,000, I believe. And as of today's exchange rate anyway, 20 million rupees would be worth $270,850. So no, no chump change. That's for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in you know, from a child who grew up in the slums of India, this definitely is going to change his life. And, Absolutely. you know, kind of looking at it and looking at the host um, who kind of says to him, like, you're going to be as famous as me and you're going to be almost as rich as me. And I'm, I'm thinking about this kid who really has had one focus his entire life is now suddenly thrust into the spotlight and you know, that spotlight's not going away anytime soon. So, you know, it's, it's a fairy tale that you want the story to stop because the chaos that's coming afterwards, nobody wants to watch. And it's interesting. So they did touch upon that real briefly when they were bringing him back to the show for the very last question, but I couldn't help but realize that after the show was over, He's sitting on the floor in the train station. People are walking by him. They don't even know him from a from a, a homeless man on the corner. It's just like, huh? Okay, they they let go of that narrative very quickly. Yeah, I th- I think at that point we needed to bring it back to the the sweet romantic mm-hmm. story and how all of that's been going on. Um, <laughs> I don't think that that I think the film would have been longer had we continued doing that kind of thing. And I think we I needed to wrap it, it up by that. Enough for me. Yeah. In, in your yes, for sure. Uh, what what are the standouts for you? Again, I'm going to sound like I'm going to con- completely contradict everything I said, but the story itself was a standout to me. How they did it was really, really good. Um, I liked the um, the difference, the, the differentiation between him and his brother. Um, how they're at first, I didn't even realize they were brothers. The very first flash, I didn't even realize they were brothers. They didn't even click with me. Then I, I quickly picked that up. But 
<clears throat> how his older brother, um, Salim. I'm, thank you. Completely blanking on his name. Thank you. Salim was really on the different track than he was his their whole life. And they're definitely pointing that out. Every single flashback, Salim got worse and worse, quote unquote, as a human being towards everybody. It, it's all about him. And he's taking a different path to uh, fortune and success. Um, and he doesn't care who he has to step on to get there. Uh, versus Jamal, who refuses to give into his ethics, his morals, or anything, and just give up on anybody or anything, and all he cared about. He didn't care about money, anything. All he wanted was the Tika. That's all he wanted. That, that was his driving force for everything in the entire movie. And the fact that in the end, his brother kind of realizes has that come to Jesus moment, if you excuse the pun, if you've seen the movie. Um, probably not Jesus, if you ask me. But um, <clears throat> but he realizes what he's been doing, and he finally lets Latika go. Versus his brother, who has literally just been tunnel vision the entire movie, just trying to get her, and in the end, has all the money, has the love, has the life that, someone like him deserves um it's just the story itself was good uh, i like again i like how they portrayed it i like the contrast between the brothers but um ultimately them coming to this in a weird way they kind of end up in the same place if that makes sense of it's mindset and that's it is all i mean by because obviously <laughs> salim has a different uh destiny at the end of this movie uh, versus uh, Jamal, but in the end, I think they both have the same heart and the same, again, mindset and understanding how life should be. And unfortunately, it was just too late for Salim. But the story, it's a, that's the short answer to your question, the story. <laughs> the short answer, <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of this this structure that we're set up, you know, the, the story begins with a question of, you know, how does... A, a slum dog, you know, like so. This term created by the um, the screenwriter taking, you know, the the idea of a child from the slums who is also an underdog. There was some pushback against the term. There were individuals who were offended by it. I can't say I blame them. It's not exactly a glowing term no, to be called not. a slum dog. Uh, you also worry, and I, I don't doubt that there is a strong possibility that the term stuck and may, you know, still be used. Um, you know, the, the economic situations and sociological situations in India is not my area of expertise at all. So I also know that there have been a number of different studies and papers done on the depiction of India and its various peoples in this particular film. A number of criticisms on how it tends to be oversimplified in a Eurocentric Western way. Again, I can't get too into detail on that, but, you know, I'll bring up some of the in information about it. But the idea that this term being coined by a British individual to identify somebody who grew up in this situation, you know, there's there's a bit of the the colonizing here. There's a bit of the othering here. There's a lot of uh, critique about that kind of thing. But you have Jamal 
and Salim coming up from this situation. You have the battles, and battle is such a weak word for it, the hate crimes and the attacks between Hindus and Muslims in India, in Bombay, in Mumbai, and just how all of this comes together and how the two of them are spurned out of their home. They lose their mother to this violence. And they're essentially just running for their lives until they kind of, you know, live sort of a, a I don't know, like a, a, a nomad lifestyle until they end up with this guy, this, um, oh, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. I have to look for it in the, uh, the list. The, the supposed foster gentleman. Yeah, he's definitely not a foster. Maman. So the guy's name is Maman. When they're, when they're sort of, I don't want to say taken in by, but let's say captured by, taken by this dude, Maman, who collects wayward children, mm. puts the girls to work on the street, mm-hmm. puts the boys to work as beggar children. So he deliberately disables these small children in order to put them on the street and in stations to beg because disabled children are going to be more likely to get the sympathy of people walking by and going by and getting the money that he then collects from them. So this is what's going on when, you know, he's pouring some sort of chemical and he's blinding the boys. Um, clearly not a good guy. No, absolutely not. That was an awful scene, by the way. Yeah. Really, really awful. terrible. The chloroform. And then they, I don't even know. That was just a, just terrible. It's very disturbing. Well, he says it. He says blind singers make more money. Yep. Yep. It's, and it's all about, you know, taking the sympathy of people walking by and these poor kids. It's not like they're keeping the money. Nope. So, you know, we have this situation later on where Salim is sort of his bulldog, sort of his, uh, call him a little henchman. He's not a bodyguard, but Maman uses him as a he's favorite. Yeah, he's more favored than anything because he realizes yeah. he has a mean streak. And he's certainly using it. So and Maman mm-hmm. uses him for that purpose. And so he's bringing these kids back and forth. He kind of keeps everybody in line. Mm-hmm. And when he's told to bring Jamal for his turn, he, you know, plays big brother. And he takes Jamal and Latika and they leave. Um, Latika. I keep pronouncing Latika. it. Latika. Yeah, I, I said Latika too. It's Latika. And that's that's us putting our Western Sorry. accent on a word. Latika. I'm from Rhode Island. Sue me. Oh, well. I'm just glad know, there's no R's in that name. It's it's just important to make sure that we get it right. So, mm-hmm. um, what did you think of the three of them? You know, in school, they're sitting there, and their teacher is going over the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. And so we have Athos and Porthos, essentially Jamal and Salim. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Very. the tears. You are? Mm. Okay, so which is which? 
What do you mean, which is which? Oh, which one of them is uh, Athos, He's Porthos? Athos, and which one is Porthos? Uh, I'm gonna, I believe Salim is Athos, and the other, oh. Reverse it. Is it reversed? It would be more reversed because, I mean, the classic version is not going to be a one-to-one parallel. I, see, and I always thought Athos was like more of the leader, leader of the of the. He's kind of a leader, but he's more of a moral man. That's fair. All right, so that's fair. I took the leadership route, not his actual morals. Okay, I I, I understand that. Yeah. So Porth- he's because Porthos was more along the lines of like he was. That's fair, I guess. Yeah, money. He wanted everybody's to, he, listening. She's actually talking to me through video, just giving me the money sign. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we're we're thinking differently. I think of it one way, you're thinking of it, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, and but if you also realize along that narrative, they never actually not only do they not name the last third musketeer, but in the books, but they also don't name the third musketeer, quote unquote, in their life either. Obviously, referring to uh, Latika being said third musketeer, but you never actually have that name given as oh, that title given to her during well, the Well, it's sort of understood. It's understood, but it's never said. It's oh, to Salim, it's always been the two of them, but obviously he's in charge and he's always tried to keep her at a distance. The entire movie, he's trying to keep her at a distance. He doesn't want to identify her as that third musketeer versus Jamal. You know, he's all about her. He again always has been. Always, and if you were to ask him, who's who's your third musketeer, he wouldn't hesitate. But um, I think they they never do. Honestly, they never honestly actually give the answer until the final question of the game show. Anyway, which was always interesting to me. I'm like, oh, why don't they ever actually answer that and never address it? And it made sense to me why they didn't. Right. Well, it it made it made this fun little moment where you got the call back to when they were kids and you could make the argument because they don't know the third name Mm -hmm. that maybe she isn't a musketeer. Like if you go and you look at some of the old characters and I had to go to Wikipedia to refresh my memory about Athos's ex-wife, you know, she's a spy for the cardinal and he's kind of heartbroken about her. Um, and so she's kind of here and there, you know, so we could argue that, um, Latika is like this lost love of Athos's, you lost know, lost love. Yes, but not a spy or, I, of no, the sen- of, in the general sense. Definitely, it's, it's, I, I feel like that. it's a reach. I feel, I think it's more, she's more of an Aramis than anything, but that's I just think it could be, but I mean, he he tends to Aramis is a little bit more into some scheming, so I don't know. But it, it could be fun. Did you? And I don't know if you noticed this because I'm the schmuck who puts everything on captioning, so hmm. it it was more clear to me. Did you recognize what the opera that was being performed at the Taj Mahal was about? I remember the opera. I did not draw t- draw the parallel of what it actually was. The opera being performed is the story of Orf- uh, Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah, no, I would not have caught that. Which we just talked about uh-huh. in episode six regarding reminiscence. See, and this is why this was on my list. It's called a segue. You're oh, welcome. yeah, absolutely. You're, you are so friggin' welcome. 
So we didn't watch this movie because you chose it. We watched no. this movie because D, it is written. Okay, it is written. Yes, another segue. <laughs> you are so freaking welcome. Such a schmuck. Um, <laughs> don't spill that water everywhere, you idiot. Oh man. Oh, the last thing we need in this podcast is the sound of zap as you electrocute yourself and destroy your computer. Um, hey, maybe it'll be a video bonus for our listeners. I'll, you know, put a video it's up on this happen. podcast. The, the water's down. It's fine. Carry on. <laughs> Let's so, digress uh, here a little. <laughs> you know, me being the English nerd, of course, I, I enjoyed that very much. I thought that was fun. I also enjoyed the fact that, you know, it just brought back this myth again. This woman lost who needs to be rescued from the underworld or hell. And you could argue that Latika is in a kind of hell. She's in the mm -hmm. underworld of this kind of mob boss. Would you say this dude's mafia? I would. Actually, yes, I would say he's absolutely mafia. And this isn't even the original guy. This is not Maman. This is the guy that Salim hooks up with after killing Maman. Yes. Who actually was impressed by Salim that he killed Maman. Because if I'm not mistaken, he actually said Maman was a rival of his. He said, the, the enemy, enemy of, of my, my enemy is my friend. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. And it's interesting because it flashes back again. So you have a flashback within a flashback when mm – -hmm. We are identifying this this mob guy, uh, Javed, who is well known around the city where they grow up. And it, it's a little blurry here, but I think in the time in which they grow up from children to being young adults, you know, late teenagers. I mean, Salim's probably 1920. Um, Bombay becomes Mumbai. And there's a shift, so it's the same same city, but it it, it gets reimagined. Let's say um, this is when a lot of businesses come in and start. You know, this is the building buildups that mm. Salim is, meets Jamal on top of, and he says, "Yeah, Javed is putting all of this together, and he's behind this and all of the business." And it's an interesting sort of thing. There's this great book I read a few years ago called uh, "Behind the Beautiful Forever's." And it's about children and families growing up in Mumbai in the shadow of these giant luxury hotels and convention centers and things like that. And there's actually this wall that separates the slums from these buildings. And the idea is that there's like real estate advertisements that talk about the beautiful forevers and it's repeated so the point of view, uh, Catherine Boo wrote the book, and it's nonfiction. She interviewed all of these people, and she talks about how you see this repetition on the walls of beautiful forever, beautiful forever, beautiful forever, and behind the beautiful forevers, these giant buildings and things, is another side of India that they're sort of trying to hide behind this wall. Mm -hmm. And these are the same kinds of children that, Salim and Latika and Jamal grew up as. Um, and there is very much a delineation in this film between the haves and the have-nots. I mean, you're trying to tell me that the haves wouldn't drop through a 
a, a toilet into a pile of poop just to get the favorite actor's signature? That's I mean, exactly what I think it was. the Habs would do that. I think the Habs would do that, honestly. Who's oh. the actor? Let's do oh, it. Oh, my goodness. So disgusting. They really drove that one home. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily, that's not actually what he dove into, like, you know, props and such. So luckily, he mm. wasn't made to dive oh into God. such a thing but so i that was a lot deeper than i was anticipating it to be for the record i did not yeah. realize he was just gonna I go mean, submerge well they're defecating directly into like a swamp oh i get it so but it, it's still it, deeper than i was anticipating i'm thinking maybe like yes. waist high no no fully submerged <laughs> fully submerged oh, and man. then like he's running through this crowd and oh touching and pushing reacting. everybody <laughs> And not anywhere near as quickly as I expected they they should have. Because they I would think that child would have reeked to high heaven. Even the actor was just like, eh, sure, I'll sign your stuff. No problem. Here you go, kid. Oh, I thought that was cute. I was like, isn't that nice? And then but you that- look up the trivia on IMDb, and apparently that individual, you know, he's a real actor. Um, he didn't appear in the film, so it's somebody pretending to be him. But he was the host of the Indian who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, really? It was the same so, guy. Yeah, it's the actual. Well, so it was somebody playing I that understand. guy, you know. Right. Um, and I guess they they approached him and he wasn't available or he wasn't interested. So they have this other guy, um, Anil Kapoor, playing Prem, who was the the act the 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 host of the show for oh, this version. And Regis then you go deeper are. into the trip. He looks like Regis, doesn't he? No, but you know who looks like somebody in this movie? I could have sworn for the for a lot of the time that older Salim was Bruno Mars. I had the same thought. <laughs> I had the same thought. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And then in my head, I'm going, don't say that. That's ignorant. But you said it for me. So you. I, I will take ignorancy. That's fine. I actually looked up on IMDb because – Older Salim is not listed on the, the the actual top cast. I'm like, I had to go deeper. I'm like, please don't be Bruno Mars. And isn't that a shame? Like, he does quite a bit in this he, film. He should be listed higher. Very surprised, honestly, that he's not. But the luckily, man's name have, is Major Mittal. At least they have the vision mixer here, though, at the top. That's very important. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, yeah, so I saw that. I'm just like. He God, really does look like Bruno, Bruno Mars, Mars in this Lord. film. Yeah. Anyway, it's well, that's all right. Hey, you know, it's 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 a relevant tangent to go on. But um, yeah, so I, what we are is actually looking pretty suave here with his glasses and his hair. I know. Just I saying. Know. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, down the, the IMDb <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh-huh. And that's OK. Snowball. Snowball. So what did you think? I, one of the things I said last week was that there was potential for this film to look dated or to be a little dated. Is it dated because we're dealing with a game show that's no longer on the air and that was this massive thing for so long and just kind of sputtered out? That's the only thing that could be considered dated on this, in my opinion. Everything else was very still fresh to me. Like everything, I believe this could have happened last week if that show was on the air. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that seemed dated to me, quite honestly. So if we go back, like, well, 12 years ago when this was on, when was Millionaire on here? Ooh, early, early 2000, maybe 2002, 2003. 
I want to look up when this was on. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, wow. 1998. Yeah, I was close. Not even close. Oh, no, wait. That's the British version. Okay, so hang on. Where is the American version? Brits do everything right. They always get the stuff first. So 2002. Yeah, they're definitely oh. better at this stuff than we are. My arms are in the air. I am Victor. You were I right. I 2002. You were right. Man, it um, doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Do you remember watching this at the home? Oh, yeah. So this would oh, have yeah. been. Yeah, mom used to love watching this. We all did. You know, I like dad was too. into this too. Oh, yeah. I always said dad was going to be my lifeline. You know, you so did actually. That's so true. You did used to say that. I remember that. Dad was going to be my lifeline for like geography and history and political questions because, you know, stuff that's important, I don't know. I only know useless crap that's good for bar Very, trivia. very useless crap. Yeah, I played dad dad knew stuff that was important. I didn't know stuff that uh-huh. was important. <laughs> do you remember this the way I do? I remember, so we lived in like a cape house, you know, like front door, stairs going upstairs. On one side is the living room. On the other side is the, the dining room. And so where the garage used to be, we had a converted garage. It was a family room. And so on the other side of the house was our parents' bedroom. And so we would be – here we go. We're I already know, what you're, I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. We're going to spit take on the computer again. So the three of us, you, mom, and me, watching in the family room, our father in the bedroom, clear on the other side of the house. Yelling so across the house. <laughs> he and I – would yell answers across the house to be the first one to get it right. You do remember this. Oh, yes. Clear as day. I remember that. That's so funny. And, yeah, always said that, you know what? It's like, all right, when I go on Millionaire, my father's going to be my phone a friend because he's going to know the answer to the crap I don't know. But, yeah, so it's like I now watch this and I think of Millionaire and I think of yelling answers across the house. And, I mean, how many different times a week was this show on? Four? Or am I just remembering it like Deal or No Deal, which was on, you know, eight nights a week, for God's sakes. Um, I really thought it was at the time where it's once a week and you come back next week. I really I'm not positive. But for some reason that was striking me as like the Wednesday night show from like eight to nine. And then after that, we'll see you next week and see if this person can hit the million. I really think it was once a week. I feel like there was there was something to it where it started being more frequent than that. Um, well, sooner or later, once in a while, I think after the first real run of it, it dropped to like half an hour and it was like every night. That's what it was. But when it was an hour show, when it was fresh the first year or two, when Regis was in his plot, Yeah, when it was new. I think it was once a week. I think you're right. Before it really became this crazy phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody watched it, and the whole place, you know, went crazy for it. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about and to go back and think about how much time we spent watching this show and how involved we were. And you know, way back when you couldn't get around the commercials, <laughs> the commercials were yeah, on, and you couldn't get yep. past them. And they weren't a big deal. Eh, whatever, there's commercials now. I can't stand it. Yeah. Well, you know, you can pay to get rid of them, but then you're paying extra. What was I watching? I'm trying to think. I was watching something last night. And normally I I have it recorded, but this time I didn't. I was just watching it on regular television, 
and it had commercials and it was driving me crazy. I'm because I really wanted the fast forward. I can't remember what it was though. I know I can't streaming surge. I know, absolutely. I (laughs) I mean, really. Great way to bring us back in, Lise. Real good way to bring us back in. We are the haves. We are the haves. <laughs> but yeah, I can't remember what, the, what I was watching last night. But yeah, commercials. Anyway. It'll come to you out of nowhere. In the middle of our discussion, you'll shout out a show name or something. Unbelievable. I will. All right. So talk to me about the acting here. Talk to me about Dev Patel and about uh, Frida Pinto. And about, um, oh, I lost his name. Darn it. The gentleman who plays Salim. Bruno Mars. We're going to call no, him Bruno Mars. Not re- stop. <laughs> Be respectful. What is wrong with you? Um, Bruno Mars is a very talented man. He definitely is, but he wasn't in this film. Mador Mittal. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Mittal. So how do you feel about, because he listens to the show. How do you feel about these three actors in their adult forms. We'll come to the kids in a minute. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that question. I, it's not like I was blown away. I thought they were good. I think they, they held the roles great. Um, was there chemistry between Frida Pinto and Dev Patel? I didn't see it. Ooh. If you want my honest answer, I didn't see. No, I want you to much. lie to me. No, I didn't. Yeah, they were amazing. <laughs> they just unbelievable chemistry. It's crazy. Um, no, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't feel the chemistry. Like I didn't think they were just, oh, they're just two actors getting a paycheck and they're doing this. But I, I didn't feel it. I, it wasn't there for me. Okay. I thought there was much more chemistry between uh, Jamal and Salim than there was uh, the other two. I did really like the two of them together as brothers. Mm-hmm. You could really see that relationship. Yeah. That definitely set in very, very well. Mm. So, but yeah, that's, I don't know. I, 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 no, I didn't feel it. I mean, you clearly did though. I mean, I, I think I got swept up in the story. They're not really on screen together so much. And I think the flashback that you get where he sees her smiling up at him in that train station in that moment before um, she's sort of recaptured after she had tried to escape from the uh, gangster Javed. I I really like that moment. I think that's a beautiful shot. And I think she's got this beautiful smile and we're seeing it from his point of view. So, of course, she's in her perfection and she's gorgeous Mm -hmm. and everything. And it's sort of like everything is opening up and then she's taken away. And, you know, I think that's that's a major part. I think what's happening is I am caught up in Jamal's experience. I think this as Jamal's story is fascinating. I do like Dev Patel quite a bit. I think he's really, really good and reliable as an actor. I think he kind of puts that soul into it. And I I do believe in his fairy tale for this film, which is interesting because usually, you know, you watch fairy tales, you read fairy tales, and it's usually the girl that you're following with. You know, it's not usually the guy at the center of the fairy tale. When you use the term fairy tale, yes, for sure. Yeah, but if you think well, – if you're using a term more like a like – a, a, I don't mean uh, the term dream as in you're sleeping, but just like a dream, like quote unquote, the American dream. Then you can follow both. But 
we use the term like a fairy tale, then yeah, it tends to lean more towards being following the story of the female of the story. So what would you call this? I, I don't know how to call it the American dream without using the word American. Well, it's not. So that's part I know of it, it's but. not. But it's a rag. It's a rag to riches story is right. what it is. Every right. sense of the term of riches, not just money, but love, too. It's 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 him living his life getting but not really trying for it that's the real the the you don't think he tried so let me rephrase what i mean here because again <laughs> and touched upon it before the money part of things no but th- but then i also said earlier he didn't care about that True. he didn't care his dream his rags to riches his richard riches was this girl and yes he did try on that so depending on which angle you're coming from if it's the money side, he didn't try for it. He got it, but that's fine because it wasn't important to him. And people, some people say, well, that's why he got it because it wasn't important to him versus he was trying so hard to get her and he kept getting turned away, kept getting turned away, but he kept going back, kept going back. He wore her down. All I could think of is Steve Urkel wearing down Laura in uh, Family Matters. I'm wearing you down. Oh, it, Lord. There's if a one reference. person is getting this reference, then that's great. Because Oh, I guarantee you they are. Because I think but. more people who listen to us are your age more than mine. Laura it's Winslow, not a big difference. But, yes, there is definitely yeah. so, uh, an audience for that show. So, to answer the question, it's rags to riches, but not for the general sense of the term. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I do think you're you're not wrong in this idea of it being a kind of American dream rags to riches story. That is definitely a mainly not completely American story like Americans love an underdog. Um, and it, it's interesting because I'm I'm going to go English teacher for a minute here. You know, when I teach Greek theater and we talk about Orpheus and Eurydice you know, with the Greeks, when they talked about tragic heroes and they would do these tragic plays, the individuals, the heroes were never people of low social stature. They were always royalty because when things go very, very wrong, the whole focus of a tragedy was that catharsis, that pity toward that individual, you know, plummeting. You know, I talked about the plot diagram. I usually draw the plot diagram. So I draw the, the beginning and the beginning of the the little pyramid and then instead of a gradual like triangle down it's like a straight line <laughs> like down <laughs> you i would just like to point out up. i do not remember what a plot diagram looks like so yes you're... you do it's this thing yeah the pyramid that you would draw oh yeah and the climax is at the top of the yes. mountain okay i got it i told I you it. you knew what it was uh whatever. you know there was High certain Exactly. There are certain stupid things that we learn in school. And yes, this is a teacher saying this, that why like <laughs> they stick in your head for the rest of your life. If I say to you, PEMDAS, you know what it is, don't you? Or Jesus. if I say, dear Aunt Sally, and what is that? That is the order of operations in algebra. Well, math, algebra? Yeah. yeah, just math, whatever. Yeah, right. Yep. And if I ask you to name for me the Great Lakes in the United States. Oh, next question. Really? <laughs> I know there's five. I, I don't know them all. If I give you the, the, the word homes, does that help? 
Huron. Say. Ontario. <laughs> is it Ontario? It is. Um, I don't remember the M. Michigan. Mi- oh, duh. Michigan. I'm an idiot. Um, Euron? Eerie. Eerie. Euron? Okay. What the heck? I don't are know. I told I don't know, Superior. I don't know. You're killing me. <laughs> Dad would be I appalled. I didn't know. But and yeah, I, are like, well, I showed up here to listen to a movie podcast, and now we're talking about the Great Lakes, and please excuse uh, my dear Aunt Sally, and what the hell's happening here? I was always better at math than I was geography. This and English. Is going I ate all my English. I didn't even have to take the final in my senior year. But geography and social studies and all that stuff always eluded me. My poor father. Our poor father. Neither one of us is <laughs> a history person. Uh, whatever. <laughs> We're doing a lot of digressing here. Yeah, we are way <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> see what I did there? The rails, the train station. Wow, that was a reach. You No, it's not. There are rails at a train station. You love it. I understand this rails on a train, but you make it sound like the entire movie took place in a rail at a train station. No, but it's significant because that's when they come back together. That's when they dance at the end, too. It is. Which, well, you know the reference there, right? I mean, yeah. I can imagine you haven't watched much Indian cinema, but that that's sort of a Bollywood thing. Oh, I know a Bollywood. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought there was more to it than that. You know, I understand. No. That. Well, that's you know Bollywood. what? To be fair, so my husband has been watching a lot of Tamil cinema lately, T-A-M-I-L. Um, and there's a lot of dancing in there, too. He was recently watching. I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry. Um it was like a murder mystery and there was still music and dancing built into it. And so it's, it's interesting to think about it. And again, I don't know Indian cinema. This is not an Indian cinematic film. This is a British film. What we just watched set in India. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we do have an Indian co-director and the novel on which this was based uh, is called Q and a by Vika Swarup. Um, which I haven't read. And I, as I understand it, it's loosely based. It's like general broad strokes, but you know, it, it's, I don't know enough about Indian cinema to really speak to it, but I do know these musical sort of dance numbers are a, a, a significant part of what Indian mm-hmm. cinema is. And so anyone listening who does know this, I hope I'm doing it justice. And it, it my own ignorance, I, I promise I do. I mean, no offense if I do say something wrong. Um, but I think that this film, I'd like to think this film made people want to watch more of it, but I think the fact that we haven't gotten a lot of it in mainstream cinema proves that it didn't really work. Um, and the problem is, is like people that have the approach that I did, you know, I kind of got tired of it. Like it didn't make me want to, you know, seek out more of, of this type of genre, the genre. Honestly. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a number of it, it. The Indian cinema is a huge section in the echelon of film. And there's some really great filmmaking out there. I haven't seen enough of them to really be able to speak to to specific ones. But I've seen clips and I've read information about it. So um, it, it's a gap in my knowledge. And I need to up the ante on that. And I've been catching pieces of it because my husband has been watching them lately. And um, yeah, would you so, would you say you need to pull the audience to get some more information? No. Phone a friend. See that one doesn't work. No. 
No, no. Swing and a miss. Okay. Yeah, that one just didn't work. Whatever. Sorry. I Sorry. laughed in my own head. Uh, that's that's good because no one else did. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about the kids. What about the kids? They were cute. Didn't you? They love were them? adorable, except for that little asshole that sold his uh, little his friend his uh, brother's autograph. That would have pissed me off. Oh so my I would, god! I would have decked him. Oh, you wouldn't have, because you were the littler one. I still you know, decked. If you were Jamal, you would have been the little. Yeah, then he would have dumped you and locked you in an outhouse again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, how how strong? I mean, I know he's just a little kid, but like, how strong could that chair have been? That locked him I don't in. No, I mean it was enough that it it kept him in. I mean he's not exactly that strong. Right, and that's why I say I know he's just a little kid, probably like what yeah. six, seven. Um, but I mean the chair itself, it was literally the frame of a chair with a with a with a plank on it. It wasn't. Yeah, it was enough to hold him in there, I so guess. So it's just like interesting, but I don't know. There could I be elements of suspension of disbelief there, but I mean we're yeah. dealing with uh, stuff that just... that goes in different directions to that. I mean, wasn't it open on top? I could have sworn it was open on top. He couldn't have climbed out. No. How's he going to get up there? I don't know. It's a hole in the floor. It's not like there's shelves for, like, knickknacks. I don't know. Whatever. We're wasting time. (laughs) What else do we need to talk about on this one? (sighs) Um, Dare I ask you about the music, or are you just going to push this one off, too? Yeah, I got nothing. The whole movie, oh. I was waiting for the uh, God. Jive Ho song, and I was it's Jive like Ho. Wow, J A I. Whatever. Jive no, Ho. No, not whatever. Get it right. Jive Ho. Yes. Uh, no, I don't. I'll tell you what. Next movie we watch, I will make it a point to focus on the music for you. Oh, I mean, this was an Academy Award winning for winner for best score. I and also and Academy Award winning for won. Best Picture. So it's what the oh, hell yeah, am I going to focus too. on the music? Because so- Jai Ho was an Academy Award winning song, Best Original Song. And uh, Ramen won for Best Original Score. It's good music. Jai Ho. Um, and don't tell me I, you again, know that stupid remix no, version. No, 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 no. no. That's was not what I'm the getting Pussycat at. Dolls that That's that? not what I'm getting I have no idea what you're talking about. You should be ashamed of yourself for even being able to bring <laughs> that I have a story. How dare you? Um, Jai Ho, I, <laughs> ignorant person, whatever, went into the movie, again, not waiting for it to come up, but as you saw the movies over, I'm like, oh, they never really did this. And then they, again, I understand Bollywood, the nod to Indian culture. I get it. I really do. The it nod made no to sense. Indian they, culture in the movie set in India. But 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 it didn't fit. They just threw it at the end. They're dancing at the That's end. That's what they do. They have these dance numbers. I don't know. Again, I've never. I I'm ignorant to this type of, of movie, so That's I have fair. no room to speak. No room to speak. It just seemed very interesting. Like odd. not odd. I don't want to say odd. Out of place, in my opinion. But it was cool. It was super cool. Like I love choreographed group dancing. I love when I see multiple people moving at the same time doing yeah. like that's so cool to me i love that sh- that stuff you didn't and, like this though you don't uh, make me honk you again no no no, no. let me get the the, the the dance number is awesome the song is cool it's really cool just didn't make sense being there that's all i'm yeah. saying that's fair. that's all i'm saying i liked the little kids dancing 
like when they would do the isolated moments when it was just Dev Patel and Frida uh, yes, Pinto dancing. Yes, and then yeah. it was the two little kids dancing. Yep. They were killing me. Yeah, no, it was good. Oh, but. I loved them. They were so <laughs> sweet. I don't know. I'm, I don't consider myself a mush. Would you think I'm a mush? Do you think I'm a mush? No. No. So I like that you oh. laugh at that. Thanks. Oh. No. Um, so it's it's interesting because this movie, you know, it does work on me. I think the fairy tale is sweet. I like the underdog story. Um, I think it is because I do like Frida Pinto and Dev Patel quite a bit. And uh, I like that, you know, they both have pretty significant careers in film and in Hollywood and they're doing pretty well themselves. So I don't know. I kind of like that. I like that they they've gotten something out of it. This this little film, you know, you read through the trivia and this was on a list of movies like this movie almost wasn't released widespread like this thing almost went straight to dvd <laughs> and it ends up being like best picture of the year the, oh my god can we just so i just went to frida pinto's filmography for a moment yeah i'm scrolling up and i'm looking at 2013 she was legit in a bruno mars movie uh video just saying <laughs> That was Bruno Mars. I don't want to hear otherwise oh, now. Oh, I can't even stand you. <laughs> can't even stand you. You can't make this up. You oh, can't make this up. I don't want to make it up. Ugh, I just... I'll tell you, this this whole podcast is me just connecting the dots. Just tying the knots, cutting the loose ends. <laughs> Everything is lining up in this show. You know what? I think, thank God for you, because otherwise people would be bored by me going into my English teacher tangents. That's true. That's why I probably go off on a tangent. I'm bored by you. I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I bring the intellect and you bring the, hey, he looks like Bruno Mars. <laughs> and then beat the hell out of that dead horse. <laughs> this is Mark's Celebrity Corner. You're welcome. All right. I, I think I think speaking of dead horse, I think we've destroyed this one enough. Uh, <laughs> good Lord. Uh -huh. So anyway. All right. I think it is time to spin the wheel to get and, another one of my movies. You mean, I you know, I hope not. No offense. Mm, none taken. I want to hit some of yours. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to spin this wheel. So I have good news and I have bad news. Which would you like first? Um, ooh, see, that's a loaded question because most of the time people will say bad news so it can be softened by the good news. But I feel like if you give me the bad news, it's going to give away the surprise. So you give it to me in the order you want. Well, the good news is it's not your list of doom. That's what I figured. What's the bad news, Lisa? It's also not mine. <laughs> we oh, are wow. choosing from the fill-in filmography Ooh. for our next episode. So not really bad news, but I know you were hoping for my list of doom. And nope, It'll we get wait there. until another day. We'll get there. So break out the randomizer, Mark. What is our next film from the fill-in filmography? 1,500 movie titles. What do we got? Oh, okay. I've actually wanted to watch this movie. Um, just never gotten to it. 1981 sci-fi. 
Escape from New York. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a good one. You're going to enjoy this, I think. Hmm. Okay. I'd like to get to a film I haven't seen. <laughs> we uh, with there is not many of those. Actually, you know what? They're all on your friggin' list. Yeah, there are a lot of lists. There are a lot of movies on the film and filmography I haven't seen, but I have seen this one. I like that you haven't. It'll be cool to revisit it. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. This will be pretty cool, I think. Fun. I'm, I'm actually excited. I've always been. I've been meaning to see this one. It's not on my list. I'm never against seeing this movie. So yeah, I'm. I'm genuinely excited to see this. I hope. Wait, you're never again seeing what movie? Slumdog. No, no, no. I was. Ne- no, 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 no. I was never against seeing oh, 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 oh. Escape from New York. It's not on oh, my sorry. list or anything. Yeah. I had to stress that T for you. Yeah, you need to enunciate clearly. That would be my Rhode Islandese right there. Precision of language, my dear brother. Yeah, right. This podcast screams that. <laughs> hey, I'm going to make you edit one. Then we'll really see hey, what the precision is like. Tell me, tell me again how old you were when you were 12. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. That one's uh, for you, Jason. <laughs> oh, God. The Rocking Chair Care Bear Scare. That's the other good one. <laughs> That's another really good one. So, hey, why not? All right. I think we've wasted enough time here. People have things to do. Uh, episode seven. No. This is seven. This 1.8. Is seven. Okay. Episode eight will be the sci-fi action classic Escape from New York. Thank you for listening. We are The Siblist. I am Lisa Leahy. I am Mark Passanelli. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Copyright 2021 Rabbit Hole Podcast. Rabbit Hole Podcast.com.